Hi, I'm Deborah, a crypto comms professional who loves all things money. And I'm Hui Yu, a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. Welcome to Season 3 of Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast that talks about how to better understand your financial well-being and improve your confidence in handling your money. Enjoy the show. Hey, Hui Yu, hey, how are you? Finally, we are... At the very tail end of 2022. I am so glad. This year <laughs> has been feeling? such a mess. I know, right? I think I think a lot of um, the reports that I'm reading recently are saying that, you know, the good thing about 2023 is that 2022 is finally over. Over. Exactly. I mean, people have been asking me how I feel about the markets in 2022. And one word to summarize is a mess. You know, I, I don't know well, about you, but... I work in crypto, so <laughs> it's even messier. <laughs> right. I mean, I I hardly hear any good news this year. Like, okay, like I was doing my research for, for today's podcast, for today's podcast, and it's just bad news after bad news that I've been reading. Okay. I mean, let's do a quick recap about 2022. I mean, seeing that we are at you know, we, it's December, we're recording the January episode. So yeah, like quickly recap 2022, what's what stuck out most prominently, you know, for you and how maybe it affected the way you viewed your investment or affected the way you invested your money? Okay, here we go. It doesn't sound good, but let's start. So 2022, first we saw the Russia-Ukraine conflict in March, which mm-hmm. led to severe supply shortage. And then we saw the interest rate increase. And then there's a bear market in stocks. There's a sell-off in bonds, the tanking of big tech, and then the collapse of cryptocurrencies. In a breath, I said so much bad news. <laughs> Your turn. Well, I think for me, 2022, like you said, the first thing that stuck out most uh, for me was definitely the, you know, Russian, the Russian war on Ukraine. I think a lot of people kind of expected the war to be short-lived, right? Like basically, here's Putin, you know, showing Ukraine what he's capable of. Ah, it will be over by May. It will be over. But it's still ongoing. And I think, you know, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, you know, recently went to um, the spoke in front of the U.S. Congress, and so I think right now, I I don't know whether people are still hoping that the war will end soon. But for me personally, I don't think it is going to end soon, and this will definitely affect the way the Europeans get their energy um, sources from. And I think right now, a lot of people are you know, turning, like keeping their heaters off in UK. You know, when I have phone calls with my my colleagues in the UK, they kind of like have, like they're wearing sweaters, they're wearing cardigans because they, they aren't turning on their heaters at home because energy prices are up and they are very expensive right now. So that's something that, you know, has such a long lasting and wide impact on not just Ukraine, but the whole world itself. I work in crypto and I think this year, crypto has been, like you said, a mess, right? At first, mm. I think, you know, it was probably just a bear market. Like, oh, you know, after having such a great run for so long, it's time for the market to adjust itself. And only naturally, you know, it's only natural that the Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other coin prices would have gone down. 
But then June came along and then we've had like so many bad news about crypto. First of all, you know, we have all these high profile uh, collapses of, you know, exchanges and stuff like that. And just very recently, FTX, you know, Mm. declared itself bankrupt and so many things were happening. And I guess for us in crypto, the, you know, the, the thing then is like, you know, is this the end of the road for crypto or what else is the cryptocurrency space going to be seeing in 2023? So, uh, yeah, that for me is really my my 2022 sum up. And really, honestly, it's been a mess. And I, I really hope 2023 will be much better for all of us. Same. I mean, okay, to, to give some numbers for context, <clears throat> Inflation is at the highest levels in 40 years, okay? And then we talk about the S&P 500 index. It's on track to close out down more than 17%. And it's the first double-digit annual loss since 2008. I mean, just think about 2008. I was, it was when I first joined this industry. And I remember it was the Lehman Brothers subprime crisis. And things were so bad then. And fast forward, I don't know how many years, I thought COVID was bad. But we recovered quite quickly from COVID. And now we have this market winter. Okay, they call it crypto winter. They call it so, it's like winter of all sorts that feels a lot worse and a lot more uncertain than COVID. So yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm, I'm wishing for a brighter, warmer 2023. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, enough of the very doom and gloom, you know, opening that we, we've done for this episode and moving on to something a little bit more uplifting. I guess, what, yes. you know, you're my financial advisor and as your client, maybe one of the most um, pressing questions I would like answered is, how should I invest my money in 2023 then? Like, do you have any idea how we should be investing our money in 2023? Okay, so... In 2023, most experts, okay, if you if you look at what banks are reporting or what um, financial institutions are reporting, they expect the first half of the year to be gloomy because right now we still have very high inflation. Our interest rates are still very high, but there is light at the end of the tunnel and these experts are forecasting that the second half of the year is when we will start to see growth. Okay, so that's the first piece of um, good news. The second piece of good news is that the S&P 500 dropped to its low, lowest 52-week low in October on October 13. And since then, we have been slowly recovering with slight dips here and there. But it looks like the lowest point has passed. So I guess there's something for all of us to look forward to. So are you saying that we should still continue investing in the stocks that we've always invested in? Or do you think that there is a, there should be a change in the type of companies that we're investing in right now? Very good question, because I think most investors are relooking what asset classes to put their money in, especially this year, because the markets have been so unstable and we have been tempted by very high, let's say, interest rates or like, let's say, T-bonds, right? That are very, very attractive and it guarantees your capital. It gives you high interest and it looks risk-free. So why not? So to answer your question, I think 
you can okay the investor can look at diversifying your investments into fixed deposits or T bonds or, or sorry T bills or you know there Saving are bonds. options yeah this year that you can next year that you can look at putting your money in. That's pretty interesting that you brought it up because I I remember a couple of months back we were talking about bonds and stuff like that and you personally you know told me that you don't actually uh like buying bonds has that changed then for you? Okay, so this is where I need to make a distinction between my strategy for myself versus <laughs> <laughs> okay because I, you, you need to recognize that my risk my own risk appetite might be different from mm. my clients you know and so when speaking to my clients i need to speak a bit more broadly and a okay. bit more conservatively but with my own money i am more daring in in taking the losses because i mean okay. that is my own money okay so for me coming back to your question i see a lot of opportunity in this year's market for discount shopping mm-hmm. simply because prices have dropped so much. I mean, you could be looking at prices like, let's say, in tech, right, that dropped by 30%. So to me, that is a 30% discount. And I have been investing in tech for so many years, I have noticed that when market rebounds, tech as a sector is one of the first few to recover. Yeah, so that is where most of my money is still at. I do not hold any T-bills or bonds still because I, I see. see that equity still has um, a longer runway maybe or a quicker recovery or it presents more potential and more growth than bonds mm-hmm. or, or T-bills or fixed deposits. Mm. So Debs, I'm curious to know how have you been spending or investing your money in 2022? Well, it's a very interesting question that you've asked because you know, we, we said it in a couple of episodes, right, that I've actually cashed out on all my investments in 2022 to pay, you know, for, for this new flat that I've bought. And of course, to get some cash out for renovation stuff as well. So actually, yeah, I, I am kind of like restarting on my investment journey, so to say, um, in this last quarter of 2022. But, you know, I remember asking you like, oh, so when should I get, you know, when should I start again for iFast and stuff like that? And you said like, you know, I would rather you you build up your emergency funds again before we talk about how to invest your money. Unfortunately, Huiri, I know you will hate me for this, but I did not listen to you. What did you <laughs> <I> buy? Mean, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't buy a Rolex watch. Calm down. So basically, okay. I'm still building up my emergency funds. So I'm putting money into, you know, an, uh, an, an account, you know, to build up my emergency fund, you know, for the rainy day, like, you know, you always have advised your client. But like you said, right, it's it's a very good time to buy stuff now hmm. at a discount, right? And I'm very unwilling to sit out in this market, so to say, when you're watching all these prices of these very hot stocks, right? Not an all-time low, but, you know, at a relatively attractive price. So I have been putting a little bit of money um, into tech stocks, into um, traditional finance, banking stocks. Um, I've also bought a couple of... um, I've also put some money into meat alternatives you know stuff like that like based on based on this research paper that you shared with me right so so my little basket of stocks you know um that i'm buying through 
an app that allows you to buy fractional shares. You know, um, I've been putting about $1,000 every month just on 10 of these. So every month I'm investing $100 into these 10 stocks just to see how they perform or just to see where I'm at when the market rebounds. And, you know, and hopefully I, I make some, make a little bit of money without uh, impacting too much on my, my discipline in building up my emergency funds. So that's what I've been I've been doing now that I have. Um, I just want to, you know, get some skin in the game, so to say. Other than that, well, I work in crypto. So obviously, as a crypto person, I am um, emotionally invested in crypto, in the crypto market. And it is my hope and wish that the crypto market will recover in 2023. Um, Mine as well. This said, you know, like um, I still feel that Bitcoin is definitely worth buying, you know, from its all time high of what, 50 over thousand to right Mm. now, we're looking at 16,000, 17,000 when FTX, when the news of FTX, like, you know, collapse first came out, Bitcoin's price went all the way into the $15,000 range. And I just felt like, you know, it would be a pity not to put in some money into Bitcoin. So, you know, but I didn't pump a lot of money in. I'm I'm doing like a dollar cost averaging for, for crypto. So every week I am buying $50 worth of Bitcoin, you know, $50 worth of Ethereum just to slowly build it up and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, it's not big money. It's not money that I will lose sleep in. But I guess, you know, comparing... Would I rather spend that money buying Toto or spend that money buying crypto? <laughs> I think you have my answer. I'd rather spend my money on crypto than Toto. Wow. They kind of like sound the same, but yeah. So that's that's really how I'm kind of buying my, how I'm kind of investing my money. And about every month or so, I'm also buying a little bit of gold, a little bit of platinum, you know, for the, in the commodities market and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's how I've been you know, uh, investing my money while waiting for the market to recover and also, you know, while building up my emergency funds so that I can properly get back into, you know, investing like a sensible adult once again. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense and I'm very, very glad to hear what you have done with your money. I mean, the fact that you have invested your money as opposed to spending it on something, anything, I, I think it was a very wise choice because I feel, I truly still feel that as bad as the market was, it was still a very good opportunity for investors, long-term investors to buy in because, and I keep saying this, you don't see such opportunities very frequently. It comes in, I don't know, once every market cycle, 12 years, used to be 12 years, shortened to 10 years, but now, post-pandemic is two years. So, I am not sure if the market has bottomed out. Numbers point to the fact that it may have. But in any case, you are still buying at a discount. So, congrats. I think you made a very good choice. <laughs> but, but I've got an auntie question for you. Okay. Okay. How do you think the GST hike come mm. Jen, right, is going to affect you? Yeah, so before we rec- before our podcast recording, I was actually out delivering fruitcakes and key lime pies. Mm. So as you all mm. know, I have a side hustle selling, you know, kueh salad, key lime pies. And because it's the Christmas season, I've taken orders for fruitcakes as well, right? So I was out delivering and I was thinking to myself, is it time to also raise 
prices for the cakes and the pies uh, for my side hustle because although my business is definitely not GST registered, you know, the stuff that I buy are from companies that are GST registered. So, you know, from uh, passing the cost kind of perspective, I am still kind of paying more for things like flour, for things like sugar, coconut milk, fruit, etc. Right. So I was like just driving on the road. And if I deliver, obviously petrol is going to cost more. Uh, the cost of servicing my car, maintaining my car when I do these delivery uh, deliveries, you know, will also eat into my profit. Right. So I was thinking to myself, like with GST, going up to 8% in January, is it time for me to bring my prices up? Uh, that's me as a business owner, uh, from the perspective of business owner. But as a consumer, I honestly feel that that 1% is not going to be, it's not really a lot. I mean, I don't know. I guess if you're looking to buy big ticket items, like a car, like, you know, electrical, like household appliances, right? Um, or even if you're looking to buy property, you should just get them out of the way, buy them now before the GST goes up because 1% of $100,000 is definitely a lot more considerable than a 1% increase of, you know, on something like a $100 dress or something, right? So if you're looking to buy big ticket items, then obviously it makes more sense to buy them now before GST goes up. So what are your thoughts about this whole GST hike? Because I personally don't think that I don't think it affects me that much simply because I, I've gotten all my big ticket items out of the way, so to say. And it's still a bit too early for me to change my car. So yeah, I definitely won't be looking at buying a car this month. Mm. So for me, I mean, I think since the government has given me about, what, two years to mentally prepare myself for the GST hike, I have gotten quite used to the idea that yes, GST is going to increase. And I was doing a bit of uh, research for to, for today's podcast. Our GST has honestly increased quite slowly, you know. I mean, okay, it was first introduced in 1994. Then it increased in 2003. The last time we had a GST increase was in 2007, which is more than 10 years ago. Okay, so, I mean, I know, okay, personally, I feel the increase in prices. But it took me a while to realize that the previous GST hike was actually more than a decade ago. So I think with, with or without a hike, the prices are increasing anyway. Uh, I don't really feel any difference except for the fact that things are really getting a lot more expensive. Like you mentioned, petrol is so expensive. This year, every time I pump petrol, I get a shock. And like you, I've really bought most of my big ticket items. I don't expect myself to be buying anything expensive in 2023. So, and I don't really see, or rather, I don't really want to compromise my lifestyle. So I, I think I'll be continuing to dine at places that I like or travel. I, But I must say it's quite a luxury, you know, that I can maintain this level of uh, lifestyle and not have to downgrade. You know, I'm and I'm saying this with a sensitivity that there are people who will feel the pinch in the price increase. So I think you and I are, are both very fortunate in that regard. 
I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I don't think I'm in the position to moan and groan about this 1% increase in GST, right? If you look at the, if you look at the big picture, I still have a job. Um, I have a side hustle that is kind of helping me um, earn some extra income. And obviously, my, my commitments are, are pretty low as well. So that 1% GST hike is definitely not something that will change my lifestyle significantly. Like recently, I, I saw in my bank account that I had $100 as an assurance package. Okay, I don't know what the assurance package is, caveat here, right? But if it is to sort of help us to sort of soften the blow of the upcoming GST increase, right? Then I would say that that $100 is a bit like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Because I think for people of a certain income bracket, then I rather, I w- not that I'm being ungrateful. Thank you very much, government, for giving me this $100. But considering that how this is not going to make a lot of difference, why don't you give that $100 to, uh, you know, like give the lower income families or people with a lot more commitment that $100? Because that is really going to make a difference for them, right? Like, I, I don't know, what do you feel about it? Because I was just like thinking to myself like, okay, thanks, $100. What am I going to do with it? It's the same with that voucher, the CDC voucher, that $100 hmm. as well. And I'm thinking to myself like, okay, so first of all, I have to download those vouchers. And then when I go to say a hawker center, I have to show them the voucher and then it holds up the queue. Okay, in my mind, I'm all about efficiency, right? I just want to go order my bar chow mee, put down that $5 note, and then take my bar chow mee and let the next person get their noodles. So for me, this presents more of a logistical inconvenience than it actually helps with anything. So in the end, what happened was that I just gave my vouchers to my mom and my my aunt to use because I will never remember to use it. And that $100 is, yeah, like I said, thanks. But no thanks, because it doesn't make a difference. I, I know I sound like complaining, but what my point is here, my dear listener, is just that sometimes it feels like these money can be put to better use. And I, I feel like, you know, going forward, if you're not going to give me money that actually makes a difference to my life, then give that money to someone who will actually feel like it is a significant contribution to, to their lives. Yeah, that's 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 me. <laughs> that's the socialist in me talking again. <laughs> I think this is very tricky though to balance. I mean from mm-hmm. a Okay, I'm not a policy maker, okay? I'm just yeah. speaking as a as a Singaporean as a consumer. Yes, I agree with you that maybe the 100 bucks to us may not make a huge difference or it may not even last very long. But I think imagine if you found out that the people around you uh, have received this money from the government but you didn't and you got left out okay how would you feel think about it hmm I don't know though because okay first of all I think if I found out that everyone got a thousand dollars or even five hundred dollars <laughs> I might be pissed off but it's a hundred dollars first of all you know I didn't it was only when I like logged into my you know bank account and I wanted to transfer some money to Mark to pay him for editing our podcast, then I realized that, hey, there's an extra $100, you know, that's been credited to my account under the, the name called Assurance Package. I, you know, honestly, until this podcast, I didn't even go and find out what this Assurance Package is. But I assumed that it would it had something to do with softening the blow of the upcoming GST hike. 
you know, so then I took a step back and I thought to myself, honestly, what is this $100 going to do for me? Like, one, okay, 1%, yeah, I mean, I can't math right now, but $100 is not going to soften the blow by a lot. Yeah, that's what I feel. So if the amount had been more substantial and I found out that everyone got it except me, then maybe I would feel a little bit sour or, or salty. I don't know what the Gen Z term these days is, right? But for me, I, I just feel like it meant very little. To me, it made very little difference. And if I give up this $100 and that means someone else can get more than they were allocated, then I'm quite happy for that to happen. But... You know, I guess it also means that with now that the GST has gone up by 1%, we are spending 1% more in everything. Does that mean that we have 1% less to invest our money? Well, I guess everything is relative. Um, but it also depends on... Okay, we have spoken about inflation in our previous episodes. And you guys may remember that one of the highest inflation rates is for lifestyle inflation rather than the actual inflation. I mean, lifestyle inflation could be... Like I was having lunch with, a, with an ex-colleague just now and she was talking about how ever since she's flown business, she never ever wants to fly economy again. Okay? And business is many, many thousand more than economy. So this is a very big percentage of lifestyle inflation, you know, that we are speaking about. And it could be anything, you know, it could be you, when you own a car, you no longer can imagine not having a car. When you upgrade to a nicer car, you cannot downgrade to a Japanese car. I don't, all these things are, you know, and lifestyle inflation will be so much more than 1%. So I guess to answer your question, is it going to mean we have 1% less to invest? It comes back to the individual's own lifestyle inflation and whether you're making any changes. Of course, I have seen people who manage to downgrade, but it's very, very few. And most people are not willing to give up the convenience or the comfort. So I guess one question for, for us to think about at the beginning of the year is, what kind of lifestyle do you want to have for the rest of the year? And then when you determine that, how much money are you willing to spend on your lifestyle? Is it money that you can't afford? Is it money that you don't have? Then what do you wish to do with the rest of your money? Or you can also do what I keep saying, which is to pay yourself first, and then you spend the rest. Think, what do you think? Yeah, it's kind of like nice to have all these reminders right my takeaway from what you've just said is no matter what changes like basically even if the bear market were to continue if the current market conditions were to continue and then we still have this one percent gst hike if it is within your means and you can afford it stick to your investment strategy Either whether you pay yourself first before you invest your money or you invest a certain sum of money at a certain date every month, you know, buying whatever asset class that you feel like you need to put money in. So stick to stick to that strategy, right? Don't veer off from that path just because you think that the market don't let emotions take over. That's that's really what I my my takeaway 
from what we just said. What do you think? I think you caught it. You know, I find that one of the hardest things to control is our emotions. Um, it could be in a bear market, it could be in a bull market. Uh, so right now, I feel it's very common for people to experience a lot of fear. You know, like, am I losing my money? I have already been losing money. My portfolio is down by 10%, 20%, up to you. And then how? You know, there's so much fear going on right now. How do you manage your emotions? Uh, and I fully agree with you that if you can, if you have the means, please continue to to stick to your, I don't know, dollar cost average plans that you have. I think these things definitely will be beneficial when the economy rebounds. Mm. And speaking of like, you know, us coming to the end of the year and welcoming a new one, right? Hui, what would be the three three <laughs> things you would do, um, you know, if, if we're keeping to the financial themes, right? Uh, with your money this year that you did not do in 2022? See, this is right? It sticks to her <laughs> listicles. Like, she wants me to come up with three things. Okay, so the Easy three things that... for people to follow and learn, ma. <laughs> Okay, wait. So just to make sure that I, I, I got you, uh, three things mm. that I will do in the new year, in 2023, that with I didn't money. do in, with my money, that mm. I didn't do in 2022. Correct. Okay. In 2022, I was very aggressive in investing. I basically kept a very thin emergency fund stash. But okay, I can do that because I know my own risk appetite and and my insurance are all in place. So if anything happens to me, I know I'm covered. Okay, so so that, that aside, I went all out to buy cheap. And every month I am dollar cost averaging a, okay, in the range of six to ten thousand dollars. I basically increased the amount that I'm DCAing this year. Okay, like I said, I went I'm going very aggressive. So next year I intend to keep more buffer savings. And the reason why I want to do that is because I see myself, because I have such low emergency funds, not emergency funds, sorry, opportunity funds, I have missed out on certain opportunities that come my way, that came my way. Like, um, let's say a friend of mine, he listed a property and he called me and it really did look like a very awesome property in Bugis. Okay, at Tanquilan Street. And when I when I did the math, the numbers look good. But I was all my money's already in in funds or in, in, in stocks. I didn't have that that chunk of cash to put as down payment. So I missed it. Um yeah, so I think moving forward, let's just say one thing like that I would do is I would uh strengthen or beef up my opportunity fund stash. Mm-hmm. That's for me. What about you? Hey, you got say three, man? I say one. I say one. I cannot think of three. Yeah, why like that? <laughs> okay, so I think. Well, okay, I'll give you a pass since it's Christmas, Hui, and you know. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Very kind of you. So I think the three things that I would do with my money in 2023 that I think I didn't do in 2022. Let's see. First up. <clears throat> Um, I think I would put this is this is really going to get a lot of laughter from people who know my relationship and 
okay, my my attitude towards CPF. Okay, so I think in 2023, I will aim to put money into my CPF special account. Mm. More money into my special account. Okay, uh, just to sort of you know uh, boost my retirement fund a little bit a little bit more now that my runway is truly getting shorter. So that's number one. That's what I'll do. Put more money into my CPF special account. Number two is I would kind of use a little bit of my money to treat myself. So, you know, all my... So the other day, I was having a conversation with my sister, whom with a couple of friends actually went to Tiffany and bought themselves some very nice diamonds. Okay, I did not manage to make wow. that trip okay. because I was busy making fruitcakes. <laughs> okay, but anyway, Delphine likes diamonds. She okay. loves diamonds. Okay, so anyway, so the thing is, you know, then that got me a little bit tempted. Like my heart got a little bit itchy, right? Like, oh, you know, I really want to get a nice big uh, solitaire on rose gold for myself as well. But then when I think about how much that solitaire on that rose gold ring would cost. And I immediately went back to, oh, I could actually invest this money. You know, mm. so, so, but my sister brought up a very good point. She said, you know, you, you cannot always think that, you know, when you want to buy something and you think about it and you like say, oh, you know what? Actually, I can invest this money. I shouldn't buy this. Because occasionally you have to treat yourself. You work so hard for your money. Sometimes you just need to feel good about the fact that you are earning this amount and buy yourself something nice to treat yourself. So I think in 2023, I will try to find that one thing to buy to sort of treat myself. Because, you know, in 2022, I was always I was also talking about buying myself another night, another Rolex watch and stuff like that, right? But then, you know, uh, the market got so messy and I was kind of, like you said, you know, fearful about losing my money, losing my job. So I really held on to all my money. And therefore, you know, I didn't really want to to really splurge on these little trinkets that are very nice and shiny and obviously every woman likes, right? So I think in 2023, <laughs> if I can afford it, I will try to buy myself something nice. That's number two. And okay. number three, finally, this is, you're going to kill me for this. I will buy fire insurance. You I actually No. I actually okay. don't fire insurance. I mean, yes, there what? is that there is that basic fire insurance that comes with your mortgage, right? But I don't have yes. the fire insurance that covers the objects in your house. So yeah, I know I should actually have started a long time ago buying fire insurance and I'm just pushing my luck. So let's not push this luck any further. In 2023, I will look at buying myself a proper fire insurance. This one, I need to clap. For the <laughs> I can't believe you doing this show with me and I was going on and on about how my blog had fire and you didn't buy the insurance <laughs> yeah so 2023 will be a year of change for me okay okay I think okay your point number two right okay point number three let's not talk about it okay, okay. On the insurance, which you should have done like months ago or when you first got the house but anyway maybe I should buy it before GST <laughs> you should, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm already receiving memos from insurance companies that prices will increase because GST is increasing. Yeah. So please mm. do it. Do it before okay. first gen. Yeah. But anyway, on your point number two, I, so yes, what, what COVID has taught me is that sometimes we can plan so much, right? But really, and you just can't avoid 
what life wants to bring. So yes, go ahead and have that splurge. That I mean, knowing you, you don't even splurge very often. It's quite <laughs> occasional. So yeah, just give yourself permission to to treat yourself well every now and then. Yeah, yeah. you have my blessings. All right. And on that note, um, I think this wraps up our final recording for 2022, but this is coming out in January. So this is um, our first episode of the third season. Can you imagine we've been doing this? We're going on to our third year for Good Girls Talk About Money. It really doesn't feel like two years have passed. Yeah. And like, yeah. So first of all, if you've been listening to us from the very start, thank you for your support. If you're just listening to us, you know, we hope you'll stick with us. Yeah, sometimes we do go off tangent and we start talking nonsense and I start ranting about things. <laughs> but really, you know, the whole point about Good Girls Talk About Money is to keep, you know, things conversational, is to make it, you know, I don't know, fun to talk about money so that we are all learning together um, every month about something new. Um, and before we close off this episode, I would like to remind everyone that if there is a particular thing that you would like to find out, like say, for instance, we just talk about diamonds, right? If you want to find out like, oh, is lab, are lab-grown diamonds worth the investment or should I even buy lab-grown diamonds, for example? And these are the kind of questions that you're curious about. Feel free to email us at goodgirls talk about money at gmail.com and we will go do the research especially since now mark is on board as our producer and researcher so all the legwork about researching will fall on him <laughs> yay thank god <laughs> yes and so um merry christmas and a happy new year to all of you and we will see you in 2023 happy 2023 what are the three things you do with your money in 2023 that you did not do in 2022 Send your response to goodgirlstalkaboutmoney at gmail.com and you may just hear your answers on a future episode of the show. Good Girls Talk About Money is produced and edited by me, Mark Lim. Thank you for tuning in and we look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. The advice shared in this podcast has not taken your personal risk and finances into consideration. Please seek the advice of your financial advisor before making any decision about your money.